What's going on, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today is Thursday, February 24th, 2022. We are finishing our performance appraisal of the 2021 Miami Dolphins in all phases. We're going to be talking defensive backs today's on the show, who performed to what level, and how do they project as long-term pieces for the Miami Dolphins. We answer those questions today here on Locked on Dolphins. Tap in. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins and pumped for the Thursday episode of the show. We get to Talk about the defensive backs. We get to transition fully away from 2021, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, considering the heartbreak that it broke at the end of the season. And uh, uh, the change, even if the change is for the better, change is still not fun, uh, or at least not always fun. And uh, the uncertainty that that brings as far as not knowing tendencies and you know me being a very process-oriented individual – there's a lot of question marks under variables right now that uh, has it's like a whole new world and it's fun. It's fascinating. But if you project it forward, it's also eh, a little nerve wracking. So uh, that's where my headspace is at. This is why it was a good time for me as this coaching staff was fully coming together and we were inching closer to the NFL combine. And then shortly after that, free agency will start and we'll be able to fill in some of those blanks. And I think that's going to be really helpful for us uh, to project the mentalities of this team moving forward. But uh, there was a big opportunity that was had for the Dolphins media on Wednesday because those in South Florida got a chance to meet the assistant coaching staff and talk with them. And I... You know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of great stories that are cooked from that. But the most notable headline that came out of that from anybody, double down, triple, triple down, however many different times this has been reported, uh, but indicated that, yes, indeed, I was the one who was calling plays. And he didn't word it like that, but he was asked. And he said he called plays for all the games for the Dolphins last season. And if that is the case, and we've heard plenty of speculation that Brian Flores interjected in the second half of the year, we've heard uh, suggestions that Gerald Alexander became more involved, and that was the catalyst for the improvement the team made, starting with the uh, the Buffalo Bills game. We'll find out, but we're not going to find out until probably the first month of the season next year when we see what this defense looks like. And even then, early season runs can potentially lie to you because you don't know fully who the teams are. yet. But I hope that is truth. I hope that is the case. And I hope that Josh Boyer did call every game last year. Because if he did, it makes me more optimistic, not just that the Dolphins are going to maintain their defensive system, but that their defensive system is going to work. And those are two totally different things. Now, of course, um, talent goes a long way in making 
defensive calls right or wrong and offensive calls right or wrong. Uh, and the Dolphins have a lot of that on defense. They have a lot of gifted players on the back end of this defense. And that's what we're going to spend our time today talking about the secondary and performance reviews. We got guys like Xavier Howard, who made the Pro Bowl, Javon Holland. You could make an argument for the Pro Bowl. Byron Jones, Nick Needham, Justin Coleman, Brandon Jones, Jason McCourty. No, but I can if you guys want to get mad, I can talk about him for a few minutes. Um, that's about it for your primary contributors. Let's start with the good. Let's start with Xavier Howard. He made the Pro Bowl. And I would say this for X, too. Like, he played a good year. Five interceptions, had a touchdown, had a fumble recovery return for a touchdown. Uh, he had 16 passes defensed. There was the inevitable drop-off that was always going to come versus the year that he had in 2020. But it shouldn't be lost that, like, Xavier Howard gave up only three, gave up three less completions on eight less targets this year versus last year. Now he had half the interceptions. Okay, that's one thing. But his yards per completion was down to 12.5 versus 13.8. His yards per target was down to 6.6 versus 7.1. He did give up two more touchdowns. Uh, his average depth of targets against him was down nearly three full yards. His passer rating allowed for the season was 72.6. That means over Xavier's last five or four seasons, the passer rating allowed for him 12 games in 2018, 61.2. Five games played and uh, 2019, 117. That whole team was bad. Willing to probably gloss that over. 16 games in 2020, 48.3 pass rating allowed. 2021, 16 games played, 72.6 pass rating allowed. His last three full seasons, very, very good. And, oh, by the way, 22 interceptions uh, between 2018, 2020, and 2021. His production in mind, you know, the ball production was down. By nine. No, but he led the NFL in both interceptions and passes defense in 2020, which means the, the 21 that he posted this year is a strong number for a lot of corners, but it's not what Xavier Howard's expectation was for himself based on the play that he established last season. He's going to be 29 in July. Uh, I would give Xavier Howard's season this year probably a B. Plus. Um, you know, he was amongst the players on the team that seemingly started slow, right? And he had the holdout, slow getting back into the swing of things. So I'd give him a B-plus season, but I think a B-plus season is enough for me to want to play ball. When you have as much cap space as the Dolphins do, you have a coaching change. I think there was some friction between Xavier Howard and Brian Flores throughout the course of their time, their joint time there in Miami. You got a new coach. You got 
two legends back to coach the secondary, the legends of the team, Pat Sertain and Sam Madison. I think I would probably be inclined to play ball with X. And he's shown he's missed one game in the last two years. He's played 16 games in each of the last two seasons. That's critical. Now, how much your window is for renegotiating that contract, that's a different story. I'm not giving him two new years on top of what's what he already has and giving him a five-year deal and locking it in. It's all fully guaranteed money. But I give this man a pay raise. His durability over the last two seasons has, has earned him a little bit of trust for the Dolphins. So, Xavier Howard, I'd give him a B plus. I think he's played his way into, not with quality of play, because we always knew that was good, but with durability, played his way into being a very viable long-term option. And long-term, I mean... The next three years, I don't see why you shouldn't plan on Xavier Howard being a piece of the puzzle for your team, especially as you are getting ready to transition into that win-now mentality. I want to talk to you guys next about the other corner, other corner, Byron Jones. But not before I tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. Football season is over, but basketball is full steam ahead for both pro and college hoops. For all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. But it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let's talk about, I didn't mention Eric Rowe in the teaser, but we're, we're going to get to Eric Rowe, don't worry. Let's talk about Byron Jones. It's taken Dolphins fans two years to reach the same level of conflict that I think a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans have with Byron Jones. He's very clearly a talented football player. He's incredibly smart. He's good in the locker room. He's a leader. He's good in the community. He'll be 30 in September. He's a phenomenal athlete, but his instinctive play does not afford you the kind of ball production that you would want or expect from a player that's getting paid the kind of money that Byron Jones is getting paid. <laughs> Through two seasons, with the Dolphins, and 30 games. He's logged two interceptions and 14 passes defensed. As a point of reference, Xavier Howard, last year, in half those games, had more than twice the interceptions, five, and he had more passes defensed, 16, than Byron Jones has had in two years combined. What does that mean for your, and oh, by the way, his play in this system, he's not targeted to the same degree that Xavier Howard is. But he has given up 
100 passer rating in both of his two seasons in Miami as a featured corner. I am not going to advocate for creating a hole that we really can't afford to create on the defensive side of the football, right? We don't want to transition away from Byron Jones and then have to invest premium position or premium assets into another player at that position. But it is at least worth having the conversation because Byron Jones, as I said, he's going to turn 30 this year. And when you investigate his contract status, which I have down here in front of me, his cap hit for this season is $16.48 million. He is owed $14.38 million in new cash. But the Dolphins have several pathways if they wanted to transition on from Byron Jones to saving a reasonable amount of money in that process. If they traded him before June 1st, they would save $10.18 million and absorb a $6.3 million dead cap hit. If they waited until after June 1st, you could trade him and save $14.38 million, absorb a dead cap hit for this year of $2.1 million, and absorb a dead cap hit for 2023 of $4.2 million. That dead cap hit is simply the prorated remaining amount of his original signing bonus, which was $10.5 million split out evenly across five years. It at least makes you ask the question. Because if I were to give Byron Jones a season a grade and I weren't accounting for his pay, He'd have been a solid B. But when you consider that this guy is getting the compensation that he's getting, and I don't dislike the signing, and I I don't dislike Byron Jones, and I would be more than thrilled to have Byron Jones back as a member of the Dolphins again next year because the cornerback duo that the team has allows them to do a lot of things. I would have just hoped... And we knew this going in with Byron Jones, that ball production was the big question. Ball production continues to be the big question. He did not have an interception this year, which is the third time in the last four years he has not had an interception. He had two in 2020. One of them was an incredible play against the Bills in Week 17, and the other one came in December against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes in playing zone coverage. So... That's if you if you would assess Byron Jones without the pay, you'd be comfortable giving his play a solid B relative to his athleticism, the plays that you don't see in the box score, what his play allows you to do defensively. But you can't evaluate this player without acknowledging that he's one of the highest paid players on the team. And what's the price on leadership versus what's the price on production? I don't have a good answer there. But I can't in good faith grade Byron Jones without putting a grade on him that includes his compensation. 
And I would say with that in mind, this was a C-caliber season for Byron Jones. Average. Below average production versus what his pay is. But at the same time, you're getting an above average person and leader in your locker room. There's some give and take there. I would average it out, and I would say that it was an average season for Byron Jones. Javon Holland is next because Javon Holland is going to be very quick to talk about. Um, Played 16 games, started 13, two interceptions, 10 passes defensed, two fumbles, uh, excuse, three fumbles recovered, two fumbles forced, but not generating turnovers. It's 69 total tackles, three tackles for loss, seven quarterback hits, two and a half sacks. Really, really impressive season. He tackled really well. He played 893 snaps for the Dolphins. Uh, 84% of the defensive snaps in games that he dressed for, he played. And when you consider how slow he was with getting into the lineup in the first month of the season, think of it, there, there could have been even more production. And I, w- I would expect more production, much more production for for. Javon Holland moving forward because he's the kind of instinctual athlete. He's going to get it done. Um, It is worth mentioning. He received second team vote in a flex spot from pro football focus. And they're, they're all pro teams for 2021. Um, So that doesn't go in your pro football hall of fame resume as an example, but it is an accolade that deserves shouting out. We mentioned the slow start for Javon, uh, the first month of the season for him. 32% of the snaps, 77% of the snaps, 51% of the snaps, 27% of the snaps in the first four games against the Patriots, Bills, Raiders, and Colts. From that point onward, 97, 100, 100, 100, 99, 197. 82, 100, inactive. This was the against the Jets. That was the COVID-19 game in which he was did not clear protocols in time to, to play in the game. 96% against the Saints, 100 and 100 to close the season. And, oh, by the way, he's playing 8 to 12 to 15 special team snaps per game on top of that. As Javon continues to get better, you probably don't want him to be featured on your special teams unit at risk of losing a player of his caliber to special teams. Uh, but it's a testament to his versatility that he's out there and he's doing it. Second round pick. This is an A. I mean, this is an A performance by Javon Holland and you knew it was going to take a little while to slow play and spood fiend him into the lineup. Uh, but once he was in and he was able to kind of hit the ground running, Javon Holland was everything the Dolphins could have possibly hoped and dreamed he would be and more. And I cannot wait to see what year two looks like because it's the impact plays for him that showed up every single week that just made him impossible to miss. Let's talk Nick Needham next. We talked Nick a little bit yesterday 
uh, when we talked about players to sign a free agency, and Nick was included in that as a restricted free agent. I've been impressed by Nick's continued improvement as a football player. Now, his production wasn't quite in line from a sense that, you know, he's had two interceptions all three years each that he's been in the NFL. He was a UDFA uh, at a Texas El Paso in 2019. And his ball production from a passes defense standpoint, he had 11 as a rookie in 2019, seven last year and five this year. Okay. So, but still getting interceptions on a, on a uh, annual basis. And it's important to note his snap percentages have gone down every single year as well. As the Dolphins have gotten more talented in the secondary, there's been more opportunities for Nick Needham to not be on the field. And it's kind of incrementally dropped. 742 to 619 to 607. Last year he played 54, 54% of the defensive snaps, but he was on the field for 147 special team snaps as well. He played 50 special team snaps his first two seasons combined. This is probably the best reflection of what I think Nick Neenum is going to be long-term for the Dolphins, but I am, as I said yesterday, I was somebody who was very skeptical of Nick going out of 2019 and going out of 2020. You've made a fan out of me because it's really hard to ignore the continued de development as a player and the Dolphins could just not keep you off the field because you continue to be a productive player and, and their best option in a handful of different spots throughout the course of the year. It should not be hard to get Nick under contract again for next season. Uh, the only way he's not is if they decide they want to go in a different direction. I'd give his season a B as well. Um, the ball production wasn't astronomical. You look at um, what he was able to do in coverage. He was not credited with a touchdown against him, which is the first time in his career that he's been able to say that. He conceded eight touchdowns in coverage as a rookie, three touchdowns last year. His passer rating allowed against him dipped down to a 73.4 this past year. But as somebody who is playing 54% of the snaps, I wouldn't feel comfortable giving you a higher valuation or grade for the year just because your workload was not high volume in the grand scheme of what the Dolphins' defense needed throughout the course of the year. But credit to Nick, the opportunities he got, he was very opportunistic with and had, in my opinion, his best season. Let's talk Eric Rowe. Uh, Eric Rowe is another challenging projection for the Dolphins. Um, this is another player who played in the 50 percentile for snaps for the year defensively for the Dolphins. Uh, he played in all 17 games. He started four. He played 638 defensive snaps. That is down nearly 300 snaps from the year prior and down nearly over, excuse me, over 400 snaps from the year ahead of that. And don't forget the Dolphins play an extra game this year. Eric did not get a lot of ball production himself this year. Now, one year after having 
two interceptions and 11 passes defensed and being one of the better tight end man coverage options in football. Uh, Eric did not have any interceptions, had just four passes defense. He did force three fumbles. And he was one of the leading tacklers on the defense with 71 total tackles. But you saw this transition start to take place where he is very clearly, or at least under Brian Flores, was very clearly being transitioned out of the second primary safety role, and that was being given to Brandon Jones. I think Brandon has plenty of potential, but Eric's own regression in his opportunities in coverage was what really jumped out to me as one of the developments that continued to help spur that transition onward. And as a point of reference, Eric, 65 snaps in week one against New England. He never beat that mark. He played 65 snaps in week three against the Raiders. He played 65 snaps in week 13 against the Giants. But sprinkled in after this was 26 snaps against Buffalo. The second time they played the Bills, he had 22 snaps. Against Tennessee, 15 snaps. New England at the end of the year, 16 snaps. His transitions very clearly started to have been made. And if you have the faith in Brandon Jones, and we're going to talk about Brandon Jones next, but if you have the faith in Brandon Jones to take that job and succeed in that job, that Eric Rowe is probably a player who you your third safety probably shouldn't be getting what Eric Rowe is getting. And I'm in the process of pulling up Eric Rowe's uh, contract status for this year as well. I was disappointed with Eric in the opportunities that the Dolphins had where tight ends killed them. Uh, I thought it got away from them a little bit, and that was an area where the year prior... I was really excited to see the rematch with Eric Rowe and Darren Waller, right? And then Darren Waller in that football game uh, was a player who we didn't get to see very many wins for the Dolphins trying to cover Darren Waller. And Waller, of course, to his standards, had a quiet year. I know he dealt with some injuries this past year. But he was targeted seven times. He had five catches for 54 yards against Miami. He didn't have the game he had in 2020. But Miami, between him and uh, Brian Edwards, the big-bodied guys that you would have thought maybe Eric Rowe could have helped you against, Miami didn't get those plays. And the play to Brian Edwards in overtime was the other safety, Brandon Jones, who was in coverage on the play. So Eric Rowe is due $4.5 million in new cash this year. His cap hit is $5 million, just over $5 million. They could release Eric and save $4.55 million. There's no value in trading versus releasing. 
Uh, if you can get something for Eric, great. Uh, but his signing bonus, prorated signing bonus, is his outstanding um, would-be dead cap if the Dolphins did decide to move on from him. So he's going to be locked in at that rate. Doesn't matter whether you trade him or cut him. So if they don't have plans for him and they don't get a lot of traction, there's no motivation to keep him if you want to move in a different direction. Whether or not the team wants to move in a different direction, I'm not sure. But I can tell you, Brandon Jones's presence doesn't help the cause. Brandon Jones uh, actually had, from a snaps perspective, a higher snap rate. 64% of the snaps played for the Dolphins in games played this past year. Uh, 646 snaps, which was nearly double what he did the year prior. He was targeted 33 times in coverage, conceded 27 completions for 333 yards, Did not was not credited with a touchdown allowed in coverage, and a passer rating of 95.7. But that's not where the value comes for Brandon Jones. Brandon Jones, who, by the way, had an interception and one pass defense, had a forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, five sacks, 10 quarterback hits, and 79 tackles. In the box, this is a more dynamic player than what Eric Rowe is. And that's why that transition's being made. Now, the ceiling in coverage, I think Eric Rowe's got him still. But Brandon Jones, he's a plenty good athlete. Just don't know that you're ever going to play a lot of man-to-man with him and put him in those situations. So if the team transitions away from Eric Rowe, then we probably need a hybrid slot safety type player in the middle rounds of the NFL draft or in free agency. I'm encouraged by Brandon's growth. And because of that, if I were to grade his season, I'm probably going to be minus, whereas Eric would be in the uh, C, C minus range for me personally. As I look at the rest of these contributors in the secondary, I don't see players that, you know, Jason McCourty, we, I don't think we should expect to, to see back. Justin Coleman, I don't think we should expect to see back. Uh, Clayton Fejdalum, he's a, a special teams guy. I don't happen to think that this is a player who, you know, if you wanted to save the $2.5 million or whatever, excuse me, whatever it is uh, that you couldn't, he's played 31 defensive snaps for the Dolphins in the last two years combined. And uh, um, he was credited against, uh, he's been credited with more receiving yards allowed against him than snaps played in coverage. And he played 31, and he gave up a touchdown. That was, of course, against Kansas City when, when Bobby McCain got hurt and came into the game. And you see that, I mean, this is a player who does not have defensive value, his special teams value through the roof. He's played over 700 defensive snaps or special team snaps in the last two years. But is that worth a $2.5 million cap hit? I don't know. And, and if you're talking about $2.5 million versus that being what you would need and then an extra 500 k on top to retain Xavier Howard, if you start doing the math, I would rather try and get a new up back on the punt team. Personally. So, 
I could take or leave the rest of the group if, if I were to grade the entire secondary across the course of the entire season. It probably fall right in line with the rest of the defense and that it was a tale of two halves of the season. The way they finished the year was quite strong. This is a was a B caliber performance. Um, and I think if you look at the Dolphins' pr- production oh, throughout the course of the year, they were 16th in yards allowed. So they were average in yards allowed, uh, but they were sixth in passing touchdowns allowed, 23. It's a high number. But they were also 14th, so they were above average in interceptions created, and they were seventh in the league in net yards per attempt, 5.9. When you consider how bad the early portion of the season was for them, for them to have a stretch – starting with the Texans game of 199, 210, 278, 134, 159, 126, 81, 110, 245. Passing yards allowed, and I get you were going against some bad teams in that stretch, but that's really good, and it helps make up for how really bad it was at the beginning of the year. So I would give them a B. Hope you guys enjoyed. We got power to the pod left this week, so make sure you plan accordingly and keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. Make it a good Thursday, and I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow.